a big welcome to all the dads that are visiting and there are quite a few here I can see this morning including our own sons and it's good to have your kids here as well isn't it yeah no you're not sure I'd like to bring two readings if we can uh, if I can before I just open in prayer first one comes from Proverbs chapter 4 and just the first five verses and then I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 Good to read the Proverbs. How many people are reading Proverbs just recently? Good stuff. Let me just read uh, these first four verses. Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I'll give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Okay, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. And again, just the first four verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Father, we thank you that uh, this morning on this Father's Day we can acknowledge you as being uh, the great Father God who presides over all creation and indeed over us, Lord. And we thank you that as we are fathers here this morning, Lord, that we can call upon you and know that, uh, as the psalmist says, I can lift up my eyes to the hills. For where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And Father, we thank you that you're the Father who comes alongside of us as dads ourselves and teaches us and guides us and directs us in a pretty crazy confused kind of world that we're living in today so lord help us we pray as we open your word that you might instruct us that you might teach us and that we'll know in our own heart of hearts yes lord this is right this is good this is what we need to do so be with us thank you that you are and we just commit our time to you now in jesus precious name amen can i just ask this morning um how many ha have the Perhaps addressing it to the dads, everyone else please tune in. But how many were in boarding school? Who, been to, who was actually a boarding school student? Many? What? Only a few, that's amazing. Okay. Um, well, those of you who were in boarding school, maybe you wrote a letter home at some time or other. Um, and uh, if you did, you might be able to relate to this. I just want you to see on the screen this letter that a son wrote to his dad being at boarding school. I'm going to let you read it yourself. Lovely for a son to write to his dad, but you kind of pick up there could be another message in there somewhere, just a little bit. Now the dad read that letter, thought about it. He said, I love my son, I'm going to write back to him. So this is what he said, his reply. 
We love our kids. You pick up, there's a message in there too somewhere. Who's ever had a conversation like that? <laughs> oh, I thought I saw a hand go up. Okay, and which one were you? Were you the son, the daughter, or the father, or the mother, or something? But you'd have to say, I, I, I think you'd have to say that there's a pretty good relationship, yes, existing between the father and son here in this situation as we read these letters. A good relationship. But you know, sadly, and I know there are folks here today who would relate to this too. Sadly, many dads and their kids uh, don't really have a good relationship. I can still remember, uh, it was some years ago now, listening to a, might have been on Family FM or something like that, 96.5, and, and I can remember being quite stunned at a radio interview that I heard uh, with, uh, conducted by Focus on the Family <clears throat> when uh, Dr James Dobson spoke about a particular event that he knew about uh, that took place in a federal prison uh, somewhere in the US. So I heard this and I'm going, Wow, this is just, this is amazing. It's sad. And then I read the same story in one of his books. He's written lots of books, and I like his books, and I've and I'm probably based this message a fair bit on some of the stuff he says. But then I read the same story in one of his books. The book is called, um, you know, Bringing Up Boys. And he told this story, and the story goes like this. He said that there were some executives of a greeting card, a greeting card company who thought it would be a good idea to have a table in the prison on Mother's Day. And what they would do is that this greeting card company, the executives all agreed together, they'd lay out these cards and they would allow them to be given out to the prisoners free. So the prisoners could purchase these cards for free. And the, uh, the company would also pay the postage. And so they did that. And the queue to get these cards was so long and it was such a demand, they had to send back and bring more cards in. It was just huge. And they thought, oh, what a fabulous thing. We ought to do this on Father's Day. And so Father's Day comes, they did the same thing again. And guess what happened? Not one inmate turned up. Not one. None of the prisoners felt the need or the desire to send a card to his dad. Many of them had no idea who their father even was. And there's a whole lot to that story that I don't have time to, but there's a lot of hatred amongst the inmates towards their dads in these prisons. Uh, maybe that's not surprising to us, but isn't it just sad? You know, we're living in a world today where I believe that more and more, it's, it was said during this week by one of our pastors, I'm sure, it's harder these days of being a parent than I think it probably was back some years ago. You may not agree with that, but I, I, think, it, I think it's tough these days. And you know, I think it takes, it takes courage. It really does. It takes courage to raise a family. And again, one of Dobson's books actually entitled Parenting Isn't for Cowards. Anyone read it? Parenting Isn't for Cowards. I mean, he sums it up, doesn't he? But it takes courage. And I want to share with you three things that I just believe God's laid on my heart um, during the week, during the previous weeks, actually. 
coming up to this, three things that I believe that will be helpful for us as dads, to be courageous dads in the raising of our families. Three things. This is the first one. Courageous dads are courageous followers of Christ. Absolutely. Courageous dads are courageous followers of Christ. You know, I can remember some years ago now when I was uh, as an Army Reserve chaplain. I was in Canberra and uh, on a three-week course at the Royal Military College of Duntroon. And part of the course I was doing included navigation. We did a day navigation course where you did it on your own with someone else, just uh, teaching you to navigate. And then came the nighttime exercise. We had a night navigation uh, exercise as well. And all you had was a map and a compass. You had to work out what your bearings were, grid to magnetic, you know, that sort of stuff. So we worked all that out that night. It was a pitch black night. There wasn't even a moon out. So it was very dark. And we were in groups of six back then, and I, and, and I breathed a big sigh of relief. I also was very relieved to know that there were a couple of blokes in our group who knew a lot more about night navigation than I did. If it was up to me, I think we'd still be out there. <laughs> Can you imagine the headlines? Army Padre leaves, leads six soldiers over a cliff. You know, Padre leads six souls astray or something. But what a relief. When you know that you're following someone who really does know what they're doing and who really does know the way. But listen, you've got to trust them, don't you? It was a black night. We walked very close behind each other. You had to trust the person leading up front. Because you couldn't see the way. You didn't even know what the way was. We all participated as much as we could, but they had the map. They were leading. We had to follow and trust them. You know, and to all the dads here this morning, you know, as a dad myself, as a granddad, I want to assure, I want to assure you from personal experience that in terms of being a dad, Jesus Christ really does know what he's doing. He really does know the way ahead for us. But you see, you need to trust him as well. Jesus said, I am the way. Not only does he know the way, he is the way. And as he said to his disciples over 2,000 years ago, I believe he's saying it to us today, particularly as dads, in this context today, as he said to his disciples, he says to us, follow me, follow me. And in Proverbs 4, we hear that there's this same message from God coming through loud and clear. Proverbs chapter 4 again, but verses 10 to 12 says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You know, I, I just believe that there are so many dads stumbling and losing their way in the dark these days. But Jesus says, when you follow me, I will guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you follow me, 
He said, you'll not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. He says, I'm the light of the world. It takes courage to admit that we can't do this dad thing on our own, but that we need help. We need help to follow the one who has a fair bit more knowledge about being a father and a dad than we ever will. The other thing I love about this is that Jesus is the source of courage. Where do you get courage from? Real courage? You get it from him. He's the source of courage. And I'm not sure if you've thought about it in this way, but there's a verse from the Bible that stood out to me even during this week. And it came from the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 13. And it goes like this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus, whom I believe is the very source of courage. So let me encourage you to be courageous followers of Christ. And that means, what does that mean? Well, it means spending time with him. They knew that there was something different about these disciples. They knew and they took note that these disciples had been with Jesus. We need to be with Jesus. We need to be spending time with him. That means, that means the reading of his word. That means reading the scripture, reading the Bible together, reading it on your own. It means listening to him. It means speaking to him. And we call that prayer. But listen, not only read the Bible, but let it read you. It's like sort of holding a mirror up and seeing you as you really are. The Bible's like that. It'll reveal stuff. And you might not always like what it says to you. But let it read you. Let it examine you. Let the scripture, let the word of God heal you, restore you as a man and as a dad. And I want to encourage you, I want to tell you from experience, it'll do you good. It does us good. Furthermore... When we become courageous followers of Christ, it sets us up for the second thing that I want to say to you this morning, and it's this. Courageous dads are courageous leaders of their families. You know, as I mentioned earlier, given the, the kind of confusing, crazy world that we're living in and raising our children in, I just want to spend a little extra time here in this, in this particular, on this particular point. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 5, chapter 20, Ephesians 5, 22 to 23, it says this, Wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Keep that one in mind, but also I want to read to you now Ephesians 6, 4 again, but this time using the amplified version that goes like this. I just think it unpacks this, this word, this, this message a bit more, this particular verse. Fathers, do not irritate or, and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and in the counsel an admonition of the Lord. Good stuff, isn't it? That's why we need to follow Christ, follow his word. But firstly, just in, just in view of these particular scriptures here, talking about headship, I want to say firstly, the headship is not dictatorship. 
Headship is not dictatorship. You know, again, sadly, in some families, this is the case. But that's not what God intended it to be. If you're following what God says, then read, the whole, read that whole verse, 23, from Ephesians. This is what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. And the kind of headship that Christ gives over his church is one of love. It's one of self-sacrifice. But he certainly leads his church, which I believe the husband and the dad in the same way is to provide to his wife and to his family. There's a book that some of our men have been studying and I can see one of the leaders here this morning and I'm not sure if you've finished this book or you're still going through it. The book's called Act Like Men and it's designed to be for young dads. And, and uh, I, I took a bit out of that and... Um, James MacDonald is the writer of the book and I just want to kind of give a little warning. He's sort of in your face a little bit, dads. This is what he says, just a little part of that, of that book. It says this, The major decisions and responsibilities of your home are on you, not your wife. They're your call. Listen to her, learn from her, but don't fail to lead her. This is going to grate some. Not many things are sadder than a passive man acting more like a woman while his wife is allowed to dominate and usurp the role that God has called him to fulfill. This guy's talking about, I'm sure he's making reference to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Have a look at that verse. It's worth exploring what that really means. Genesis 3, 16. He says, it's on you, it's on you to make sure that that doesn't happen. So step up and lead. Lead with love, lead with service and tenderness to be sure, but lead. It doesn't matter if she cuts the lawn and you cut the vegetables. It just matters that you lead. And I'd like to add, yeah, lead just as Christ leads you. Lead as he leads you. To be a good leader, you need to be a good follower first. James Dobson, again from one of his books, Focus on the Family, he says something similar. He says, God expects a man to lead his family to the best of his ability. That's all we can do, to the best of our ability. He is to be the ultimate decision maker in his family. And therefore he bears heavier responsibility. It's interesting what he says. If the children are disrespectful and disobedient, the primary responsibility lies with the father, not his wife. Wow. Are you going to cop that? I agree with that. I do. Shoot me down afterwards. And look, a classical biblical illustration of this very fact is found in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. It's a potent scripture... And I want you to take note which particular parent, the husband or the wife, that God directs this rebuke to. And just to put a bit of context around it, this is the message that God gave to a very young Samuel who was about 12 years old at the time. And he was to give this message to Eli. He didn't want to, but he had to. 
This was the message that God gave Samuel. And it was about Eli. He says this, At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, that his sons had made themselves contemptible, contemptible, and that he failed to restrain them. Can you see here clearly that it was Eli, it was, was not his wife, Eli was the head of his family. He was the one appointed by God and was therefore, he was accountable to God for the disrespect and disobedience of his sons. And that he knew about that. And I would suggest he knew about it for quite some time and failed to rein them in, failed to restrain them, failed to exercise the discipline that he should have over his own sons. And they were running wild, sleeping with all the women around the place. And Eli knew about it and basically did nothing. And God held him accountable for that. Children need leadership. Says Roy Lesson, a father has been called by God to instruct his children point his children to the path of life and show his child how to walk upon it. A father is, a, is the child's spiritual leader. From a father's lips, a child needs to hear wise words and wise counsel. From a father's steps, a child needs to see the importance of wise choices and good decisions. From a father's love, a child needs to discover his or her purpose, his or her identity and his or her true worth. A dad is respected because he gives his children leadership. It won't be perfect leadership because you're not perfect as a dad, neither am I. But nonetheless, we are called by God to give leadership to our families. And in Christ, we have a... Our leadership isn't perfect, but Christ is perfect. In him, we have a perfect heavenly father who has promised to be with us always as we step out in his name and provide courageous leadership to our families. And it will take courage in this day and age in which we live to teach our sons and our daughters about being men, about being women, about gender, about sexuality in society today that stands militantly against or opposed to that sort of thing. Against the traditional biblical values in our families. There are voices out there that are aggressively against these things. Just let me share with you again what Dobson in his book says. Look, if you haven't read it, I recommend you read it. Bringing up boys. He's written another one, of course, bringing up girls. It's worth reading these books. Let me read you something. This is a bit of a longer quote, but I think it's worth reading. He wrote this years ago, and I think it's so up to date. And it's going to ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to read it anyway. The feminists and the homosexual activists by the way, whom Jesus loves and died for as well, want to dissolve the traditional roles of mothers and fathers and in time eliminate such terms as wife, husband, son, daughter, 
sister, brother, manhood, womanhood, boy, girl, masculine and feminine. These references to sexual identity are being replaced with gender neutral terms. Does that sound familiar? Such as significant other, oh, partner, spouse, parent, child, sibling. We, look, we use these terms. But it's just interesting what he says. And he goes on, he says this. Clearly, there are serious implications here for mothers and fathers. He says, I urge you to protect your boys from those who are espousing these, these particular views. Shield both your sons and daughters from gender feminism and from those who would seek to confuse their sexuality. Protect the masculinity of your boys who will be under increasing political pressure in years to come. A bit prophetic, isn't it? Buffer them from the perception that most adult males are sexual predators who are violent and disrespectful to women. It's also important for us as adults to understand our own sexual identities. If we don't, if we don't know who we are, our kids will doubly be confused about who they are. And any uncertainty or ambiguity in, this, in that assignment must be seen as damaging, not only for our sons and daughters, but also for the long-term stability of society itself. He says, finally, I urge you, to base your teaching about sexuality on the scriptures which tell us God created in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 27. Jesus, who was the first Jewish leader to give dignity and status to women, said, haven't you read? Haven't you read that in the beginning, the creator made them male and female? And... It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Matthew 19, 4 to 5. That is the divine plan. It leaves no doubt that the creator made one sex, one sex, not two. May I, let me read that again. He didn't. Let me read that again. I'm getting carried away. I'm glad you're listening. That the creator made not one sex, but two. Two. You got that? Right. You want me to say it again? Two. Not one, but two. And he says, look, each beautifully crafted to fit with and meet the needs of the other. Any effort to teach children differently is certain to produce turmoil in the soul of a child. I reckon it's only a matter of time before... What I just read will be illegal. I will be taken to court, I reckon. I reckon it's heading that way. We need to pray, brothers and sisters, in this day and age. Because our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual principalities, forces of evil. That's, that's what's behind all this stuff, not the person. Love the person. Pray for them. Let the Holy Spirit do the work he needs to do in the lives of so many of us in this day and age. Let me just go on and say a couple of other things here because I've heard this myself. There are some parents who have this view. Well, look, it's not right for us. 
to expect our children to follow our way of life. Surely as individuals, they should be left alone to make up their own minds about things like sexuality, about gender, about religion. I've got my... But should I force it on my children? No. We should let them make up their own minds about those things. And I had a pastor, some of you might know him, Graham Smith, beautiful man of God. He had a great response to that and he said this, He said, well, that's okay if the devil plays by the same rules. Yep, let them alone. Let them find their own way. That's okay, but but Satan will not play by those rules. He just rubs his hands. He says, I've got you. Listen to how someone else also shoots holes in that particular thinking. We will not influence our children in making choices and decisions in matters of sexuality, gender and religion. But why not? The TV will. The media will. The movies will. The neighbours will. The politicians will. The forces of evil will. He goes on and says, we use our influence over plants, over flowers and vegetables. We use our influence even over our own pets. Shall we ignore our own children? May God forgive us if we do. Yeah. On a lighter note, and speaking of a dad's influence over his children, this is very precious to me. I went to visit a little family just a few weeks ago. I've asked this guy's permission to share this. Graham, who was baptised here last Sunday at 8.30. It was his family I went to visit. And uh, we were talking outside the house and in, the, in the yard. And while we're talking, his little daughter, she's about six, I think, riding up and down in a little scooter. Just gorgeous, riding up and down. And then after we finished talking, we prayed together. And I started to pray and no sooner had I started to pray, she, she rode past on a scooter and I sort of out loud says, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and I'm going, but I haven't, I've, I've just started praying. Surely I wasn't praying that long. <laughs> but how cute, how gorgeous that is. Where did she get that from? Where did she hear that? Where did she, this little girl. Influence. She heard her dad pray. She knew how to answer. She knew how to tie you up too and finish the prayer quick. (laughs) Gorgeous. Courageous dads are courageous leaders of their families and they'll influence them for the good, please God. Thirdly, let me move on quickly. Courageous dads are also courageous lovers of their children's mother, of their wives. The Bible says that ever so clearly. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as, want to know the standard for that love? Here's the standard. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the kind of love that we're talking about here, guys. That's how we love our wives, as Christ loved the church. It's a self-giving love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a laying down of one's own life for another. And this is, and in this case, this is the kind of love that a husband is commanded to have and to give to his wife. 
The word, in this context, the, the, the word for love is a Greek word that says agape. And most of us know what that means. But it, 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 just let me say this. It means seeking the highest good for another person. The highest good for someone else. It's, just, it, it's exactly how Christ loves you. When he gave himself up on the cross for you and laid his life down. He gave, he gave you the best. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. It's also been said that the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And another writer put it this way, nothing is more instructive and inspiring to children than to see their parents in love. Isn't that true? I, I can still remember myself as a small boy. I can remember the feeling that came over me. A feeling, a good feeling, a feeling of being safe. A feeling of being happy whenever I saw my dad. And we weren't Christians back then. But he, had this, he just loved his, his wife, loved my mother. He'd just walk up and put his arms around her and just give her a kiss. And he'd do that in front of all of us, four kids. And I used to think, well, that's just such a good feeling. And now as a dad myself, I, I found myself naturally doing the same thing with Rosemary. In front of our own kids. When they were in the house with us, they're all gone now. But when they're at home, we just to do that naturally. And you'll notice when they're little, they'll giggle when they see that. When they get older, they'll just say, get a room. <laughs> we have that. Get a room. But you, that, that's okay when they say that because secretly they're doing little cartwheels in their hearts. They're going, oh, it's just great to see mum and dad in love and demonstrating that. So let them see that, dad. Mom, let them see that. Let them see that you're in love. Let them see you working together as a team. You're role modelling to them what this means. Let them see you working together. Let them see you being considerate to each other. Let them see you solving problems together. Yes, even resolving conflicts together because you will argue. Don't just run off and say, well, we mustn't argue in front of the children. Yeah, do it, but show them how to do it right. Show them how to disagree and yet still love and still respect each other. Teach your kids how to fight clean in a self-controlled, God-honouring way. Let them hear you, see you, say to each other, I'm sorry. Let them see how you forgive one another. Let them see how you make up. Let them see how you make up partly. You probably will have to get a room. You know the old saying, don't you? Character is caught, not taught. Let them see. Demonstrate. Be courageous, Dad. Courageous dads are courageous lovers of their children's mother, of their wives. They are courageous leaders of their families. And courageous dads are also courageous followers Christ. Amen. I want to show you, I've, got to, I've just got to show you a couple other slides before I finish. Gary, have you got that one up there? It's a couple there. I'm looking up here. It's not there. I had to show you that one. That's the latest one. And the last one. That's our newest, Lewis Stephen Butterfield. He's 10 days old. He's a boy. He's just, yeah. Just had a feed and now he's happy and content. 
that beautiful? Yeah. Rather than be pray, I'm going to invite probably the most senior dad here in our church this morning. Cole, would you come up, please? Cole Hood. I'd like him to pray for all the dads. And dads, can I, all the dads, can I get you to stand up where you are, please? Just stand up, because we'd just love to pray for you. Can you get Cole to pray? One, two, one, two. Here we go. Thanks, Cole. Bless you. Our Father, we thank you for fathers today. We thank you that they have the ability to lead and sponsor and uh, be role models for their families. And so, Father, we seek your blessing on them as they go through the day, through this day and days that follow. We, we seek wisdom for them that you might, God might guide them in all that they say and do. And we ask these things in Jesus' Amen. name. Thanks, Cole. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless you, folks. Please enjoy the, the, the rest of the time together here with us. That's, I think we're